Welcome to the Mystical Motherhood Podcast. This is Pritamatma, and I'm back. I took a break from making podcasts for a couple of months or so because I had so much on my plate. I had a big healing after I worked with Jaguar Woman, so much so that I actually had to take a month off. And then from that, I really healed some ancient wounds on my father's lineage and my mother's lineage through that healing with Jaguar Woman, which was the last um, podcast I did. It was profound, one of the most profound experiences. And so after that, I finished Alchemy of Becoming, and I'm also in the process of creating three online courses, which are incredibly interactive. One online course focuses on all of my books and all of the information I have collected over all of these years for IVF, for conscious conception, kundalini yoga into one one large platform or interactive online course for conscious conception. I did another course for healing generational patterns. And so that's a big part of the mystical motherhood process is in motherhood, you have to let go of so many belief systems and so many ways of being in order to consciously allow this child or being to grow into who the child's supposed to be on earth and not put your generational patterns or societal belief systems or religion or or all of these things onto the child. So I did a course for that. And then I also did a course for my newest book, Alchemy of Becoming, which will be be released in the next month or so. And this book is a healing process of opening up the heart. And so I've repeated in many podcasts, we are going through a heart opening experience on the planet. And if you aren't feeling it yet, you will soon. And as the heart begins to open, the people in your life will begin to mirror your wounds. And in the book, I call them your original wounds. And so there will be deep pain and trauma coming up. And this trauma will be then mirrored into a fear around agendas on the planet that you're seeing in the news and through different sources and control mechanisms to keep you caught in that trauma. Because the planet, we have to move into the heart center in order to elevate consciousness and change into the world we're going to be living in in the next 18 years. And this is really what mystical motherhood is about. I also, during my break, took time and went um, on a journey. I left the city and, and I traveled a bit and I recognized that what mystical motherhood is when Atlantis is going to be a little bit off subject, but kind of right on subject. But when Atlantis fell, there's a story of Atlantis and Lumeria. And these were these kind of, uh, societies or ancient civilizations, which held the planet. And one of them was very feminine. I think it was Lumeria was the very feminine energy and Atlantis was more masculine. And each of these societies fell. And when Atlantis fell, it went into the ocean. Basically the, the floods came and we had to recreate society. We had to rebirth it. We had to create it from something new. And on the planet, we're basically going through that again. And so there are certain people here, and there'll be more and more people here that will begin to awaken and will need to recreate what this planet looks like. And I've talked about another podcast, but we're going to go through a a renaissance of the air element where we begin to construct new ideas, new art forms, new ways of being. And if everything is collapsing, so if religion collapses and 
politics change and money form changes and the way that travel changes and schooling changes. And it's all sort of beginning to happen, but it's really going to hit in about seven years, these massive changes in, in a massive form. We have to redesign it. And so mystical motherhood is really the genetic engineering of that kind of new society based on a higher consciousness. And my newest book, Alchemy of Becoming, which I spent the last month really solidly editing and looking at, it, it, it shows you exactly how to raise your consciousness using the ancient alchemical process, which is a form of technology. And it is, you know, the seven steps of transformation that we're always going through, but we have forgotten. And it's ancient and it's from Atlantis and it was brought back into Egypt as we recreated society back then. And we're doing it again now over the next 18 years. And I'll probably do a podcast fully on that, but I want to speak about the podcast I'm doing today, which has a lot to do with, you know, people leaving their religion. And so my guest today, she went through IVF and she's Mormon. And so she had to kind of look at the stigmas around, you know, being Mormon and having infertility with, between her and her husband and the, the judgments she had to go through and the letting go of religious belief systems and dogma in order to use this technology. So again, Mystical Motherhood talks about technology in a lot of different ways. This platform, you know, technology is kundalini yoga, technology is IVF, technology in the form of like higher consciousness and increasing your frequency. And so I believe that IVF is a form of technology that is going to help a lot of people on the planet as infertility likely will go up the rates of it and the struggle because people are going to be struggling in different forms as we move through this planetary shift. So this guest was, she, she wrote to me and she spoke up and she, you know, there's a lot of women out there that write me and say, you know, thank you so much for talking about IVF and how to do it spiritually and how to approach it as if, you know, it's acceptable. It's a, an amazing way to have a child. You can do it consciously. You can integrate my books completely into the process of doing IUIs or IVF intrauterine inseminations or in vitro fertilization. And we speak about my work as a reproductive practitioner at a clinic. We speak about her process of going through IVF and letting go of her religion. And I'm so excited for hopefully a lot of you to have your fears around IVF be relieved. And I'm so excited for the release of my new book, Alchemy of Becoming, and the release of these new courses, which will be coming out in the next month and be available for so many women have been reaching out to me and needing this. So you can find more about this at www.mysticalmotherhood.com. And the courses will be available very soon. And you can reach out to me with questions at mysticalmotherhood at gmail.com. If you have any concerns or you need one-on-one -on -one help with me, I'm still doing one-on-one -on -one sessions a few days a month. And I'm here to answer any questions. Enjoy. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating, a star rating, and you can find my books, Mystical Motherhood and Fertile on Amazon. Welcome everyone to the Mystical Motherhood podcast. I had a session with my guest today, Amy, a few weeks ago, and she'll tell you how, I don't remember how she found this, but I remember she was leaving her religion and I thought it would be an amazing conversation to have with everyone because I talk about leaving generational patterns behind, leaving belief systems behind, leaving 
parts of yourself behind in order to understand who you are in a broader spiritual perspective. And I believe this is what the age we're moving into is the Aquarian age, where religion and government and families and relationships and children will not look like it did before. And you can see right now it's collapsing on the planet. So everybody's up in um, angst about this, but every yogi knows, oh, we're prepared at the end. You know, this is the last battle before this really huge transition on the planet happens over the next 14 years. So Amy is going to tell her story and she's going to first begin, you know, telling us how she found mystical motherhood, what brought her to this work um, and your story of leaving your religion behind or changing yourself for this baby. (laughs) Okay. um, Well, hi, mystical motherhood. Podcasters, um, I found you actually through podcast land. Um, I I don't know where to start. <laughs> I guess I'll just start. I was I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. So I was I'm a several generation Mormon, um, and I I married. Um, in 2002 to a man that we knew that there would be um, issues with um, fertility because he's a diabetic. Um, And I went into that knowingly, but also my religion is really big on just having faith in healing and faith in God's timing. And, but there's this underlying theology of, that's how God shows you that you're worthy is he gives you children. You know, we have the story of Abraham and Sarah and we have, you know, Hannah and just all of these, these stories in, in the Bible about these things. Um, so uh, he's older than me. So he actually has um, older children throughout the last 18 years of our marriage. I watched his children have children <laughs> And, um, that's been, that's been pretty stressful. Um, but the last, and we actually, we had gone to doctors and it just seemed like nobody would give us any real answers. We went to one specialist and she straight out told us that she only works with women's infertility. And so when we asked her if she had like a urologist or somebody that, you know, my husband could work with, she was just like, oh no, I don't have anyone I can refer. And so it was very frustrating because it just felt like we just had all of these doors slammed on us constantly. Um, Within that time, we actually were blessed uh, with the opportunity to adopt a little girl. So I have been able to be a mother in that sense. Um, But I still felt like this dissatisfaction within myself. And part of it I I recognized was because of of the push in my culture to be a mother and, um, and this feeling of, you know, like unworthiness because I haven't been able to fulfill that part of myself. And part of it I think is just being a a woman. Um, so I actually, I had a releasing ceremony with a friend of mine who, um, I'm a massage therapist, so I'm, I'm already in the holistic realm of healing and health. And, and she did a, a Mayan releasing ceremony with me to just kind of let go of that feeling. But what actually happened in that ceremony is I had it confirmed that I should not drop the issue of having my own child and that, that there, um, there, there was that path that I needed to pursue. And so 
Um, from that point, I actually um, went back on the internet, uh, found a doctor uh, in my area that actually worked on his website. He said that he worked with both men and women. And I was like, well, finally, here's somebody who can maybe answer some questions for us. And um, we went in and saw him and he was like, oh yeah, all you have to do is this, this, and this. And I was just like, I was floored. I was like, why has it taken? I mean, at that point it had been, so we, we had been married. I think our daughter was like two or three at the time. So it had been over 15 years. And I was like, why did it take that long for that to happen? And um, when I really pondered that, I, the thought came to me, it was because I was supposed to have my daughter um, so that, that brought a little bit of peace, but still that frustration that I had gone through so much heartache um, through this entire process of being left out um, from, from fully experiencing womanhood. Anyway, um, from that point, uh, we were basically given direction as to what we needed to do. And we actually opted not to, to use him. We actually um, had chosen to go to Europe uh, to do uh, the fertility treatments because um, I always wanted to go to Europe. <laughs> I think that was a huge driver, but also it's a lot um, less expensive there. So we actually went to Prague and um, in 2019 and we stayed almost the whole month of January uh, and we did IVF. Uh, my husband's cells were cultivated and from that experience, we were able to have six embryos. Um, within this time frame, I actually I started listening to podcasts, and um, and I I started looking at um, some of the conversations that were being had around Mormonism, and some of the controversies. Um, a lot of the the scars of our history that had kind of been left out of the narrative that I was taught as a child. Um, and, you know, it was very disturbing to learn um, just that it wasn't quite as clean cut as I had always been taught, you know, that God isn't this white Supreme man up in heaven and, and, and one thing I do love about Mormonism is we do believe in a feminine uh, goddess. We call her our heavenly mother. Um, but her, her aspect had always been silenced as well. The patriarchy is very strong in Mormonism. Um, so I was going through this whole fertility journey. And then on top of it, I was kind of going through a faith transition as well. Um, shifting the way I viewed my religion, uh, shifting the way the truth claims and just really coming to a space where um, I was just expanding and opening myself to just different ways of viewing myself and viewing God. And, um, and it's, it's been a struggle. My husband um, has, it feels like sometimes as, as I get closer to, to completely just walking away from our faith tradition, he, it's almost like he grasps on a little bit harder. And so there's been a lot of friction in our relationship as well. Um, but anyway, back to our fertility journey, uh, they were able to transfer two embryos. 
I was pregnant. Um, I made it to 11 weeks uh, where I miscarried. And um, again, that was very painful because throughout this entire process, we just felt we, you know, we had made it a matter of prayer and we felt really strongly that this was kind of like finally God's way of like blessing us. So of course I was experiencing that whole, you know, Mormon paradigm of God saying, yes, you're worthy. Here's your child, you know, and then to have that completely just ripped out from underneath me um, was very traumatizing. And, um, we went back in October of that year, um, so last year, I, and I had a frozen embryo transfer, and it didn't take. So I have two more embryos that I'm hoping to get back to Prague, but now with COVID on the rise, <laughs> I haven't been able to get back. So it's been a, a very um, interesting journey. Uh and of course, since I'd already kind of been in the podcast world, um, learning about my own tradition, I started, um, actually, it was kind of funny how I found your podcast was, I, I'm really into yoga. I actually just got my certification to be a yoga teacher. And um, a friend of mine was talking, we were kind of hashing about how like we have mom groups for like Christians and for Mormons and all this, but we didn't really have like a mom group for, for yoga or yogis and people that were more into like mystical traditions. And so I went onto the podcast land and typed in, you know, something like yoga moms, something like that. And mystical motherhood came up. So I started listening to it. And so many of the things that you were talking about just resonated with me, just talking about how we're going through this shift in our world right now, where so many of us are experiencing infertility. And that's because we need to make a conscious choice to, to bear children, to bring down these higher energy beings. And, 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 and I don't know, just, so anyway, so then I connected with you and I guess that's where it's at. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I love that you bring up this contrast between religion and fertility and also how you went through awakening through motherhood because this podcast is really about awake. Like I, I created mystical motherhood because it, it's a point in time where women, like a shift has to happen. You become sober. And you become, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I became sober, every woman does it, or, and then you also like begin to see how much you're different from your partner or you're different from your friends, or you may not, I didn't really, for me, I, I had all these, I had a life I thought I wanted to live and I, I, I created it. I was like, I'm going to live in a house in Marin County and it's going to be so perfect. And then when I moved there, I was like, I didn't, I didn't relate to any of the mothers and I didn't relate to any mom groups and I couldn't handle any craft experiences. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm not, a, I cannot relate. And so I was like, I need, I need to find women that are interested in what I'm interested in. And then as my awakening occurred, my expansion occurred of consciousness It's also who was attracting in my life. Just so you know, it, the more and more you look up women in yoga and this kind of things, you'll find different kinds of groups that match you. And mm-hmm. Uh, a side note. So I work as a reproductive nurse practitioner and I work in a center with the largest group of Orthodox Jewish um, 
individuals outside of Palestine. So I'm like stuck, I'm in the middle of the center and I'm being trained by like one of the best, some of the best doctors in the world in, in this, in IVF. And I love it. But I also know from, you know, so some, everyone who walks into my center has is straight from their country of origin. And so it may be Japan or China or Egypt or Syria or Russia right off the boat because I'm in Brooklyn and New York. And everyone brings with them their belief system and their religion around fertility. And so even, you know, I had a patient that if you're, they don't, they think it's maybe just the, they don't want, the men maybe don't want to say it's them. And so the women carry a lot of the brunt of that. I see that very commonly where they're like, well, let's just make sure I'm, you know, there's nothing, if there's something wrong with me, then we don't have to check him. And I say, no, a hundred percent of the time we need to check him too. And so there's all these things that are brought into fertility and belief systems that we have to let go of. And it's specifically around religion and how it has to happen. And so always what I'm saying with mystical motherhood is work on yourself. And, uh, and it's almost when you had to wait 15 years for that and you said, oh, well, maybe I had to wait for my child. I don't think so. I think that the reason why the, the Orthodox Jewish community, I believe, is open to fertility treatment in Brooklyn is because the man who started the center is Orthodox Jewish. And so he mm -hmm. took away the stigma. Uh, so it's it's just as important in this religion to have children as it is in the Mormon religion. Yes. It's not, it, I, I can't, they're both very equal. I mean, your kingdom mm -hmm. of heaven is in your family. And mm -hmm. so these women, I, it's common to have six to eight children. And so having children is their life. And they are also working. I mean, it's a, it's, I love, I, I'm learning so much from the Jewish community and, and I'm learning so much about tradition and keeping that tradition going and, 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 and feeling the pull away from it and, and, con, you know, continuing it. And so the, the women, because this man has made it almost approachable, they know to come there. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's no shame around it. But in your community, with you know, if you're if you're growing up Mormon, and there's not a Mormon practitioner that says and writes a book on it and says, "Look, if we're trying to create the kingdom of heaven here on earth, let's use IVF to do so." Then there's not an acceptable way of as as the climate on the world changes, as consciousness changes to adapt to that kind of consciousness. They're going to not be able to create that kingdom. Do you agree with me? Does this make sense? Okay. What I'm saying. It's ridiculous how, I mean, on one hand, they're like, okay, well, it's up to each individual couple to decide how that works for them, you know? And so, so on one hand, you're just totally given a leash to really choose. But then on the other hand, if you go and talk to a leader, they're going to be like, okay, but you can't do like a sperm donor and you can't do blah, 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 blah. And then, and then like I said, there's this underlying belief system that that's how God shows you that you're worthy is he gives you children. And not only does he give you children, but he gives you, you know, like abundant children. And then also like, if you go through these artificial um, reproductive services, then you're actually playing God. I mean, I honestly, I had, I had a family member. It was so painful when I was pregnant, he came up to me and he was like, Oh, I hear congratulations are in order. And he's like, well, I didn't agree with the way you guys did it, but congratulations anyway. And it was just like, <laughs> like I had to ask his permission. I, I mean, it was just, it's just that, that it's just so frustrating. And, and I know other women, I have another um, friend who comes out of the same tradition and 
her family is so harsh. She, she was blessed with two babies through in vitro. And it's like behind her back, they'll say things like, oh, those babies are so weird or, or something's off because they didn't, you know, it's just, it's like, there's just this, and again, it's, it's not so much that's that the church perpetuates it, perpetuates it. It's just this underlying theology that you don't play God. If God wants you to be a mother, then he's going to bless you with that. I mean, it's, un- it's unbelievable to me because technology, it's like, okay, then don't use smartphones. I know. Then don't use email. Don't let your children um, play video games if, if you don't want to play God because it's all technology. <laughs> and uh, as the technology on the planet increases, we're, we are going in, that's what that's what Kundalini Yoga is to me, is it's a technology. Yeah. Yeah. And so t- technologies come in different forms. That's what alchemy is to me. It's a spiritual technology. And, and that's what IVF is to me. It's a technology. And I think the only reason that the community of the Jewish, um, these practitioners in Brooklyn, New York area are, are so open to this is because the man I work with, Dr. Grazi, he speaks with the rabbis. And so he's taken, he, it's almost like, I believe I must've known him long ago, but he's taken the stigma away and he protects the women. And so the rabbis deal with him, not with the the woman or the couple. And And so he will negotiate almost for the, for the benefit of the family with the rabbi. And if there's nobody in these types of, so if there's not somebody in the Muslim community, that's like an IVF practitioner, or there's not someone in the Mormon community or in these really intense religious communities that say, this is how it's done, which is very a patriarchy way of creating it. Like a man mm-hmm. says, this is how you're going to create a baby. And the woman's like, actually, it's my body. And I think I'll create a baby the way I need to do it. Right. And so exactly. the reason it works in my community, which I'm so glad to be able to see it and to talk to you about this, is that this doctor, Dr. Grazi, works with the community. And, and he works with the rabbis. And we have rabbis walking through our center monitoring the sperm. And so that all uh, religions, we work with the, you know, every religion and in their own way and everyone has and it's interesting I had another client that was doing IVF and she says how can I do this more consciously and I said play mantras when you're doing a retrieval put them ask them to put the the, the mantras around your eggs as the you know your egg and the sperm as the embryos are created in the lab and she's like can I do that and I said why not if you know <laughs> if, if there's rabbis in the my IVF center monitoring mm-hmm. it why can't you have your mantras monitoring it or yeah. why can't you know, it's, it's so interesting. We have to, as the technology changes, we have to be able to adapt to that kind of level of spirituality. Do you agree? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. it. It's fascinating. Um, I actually, I listened to a podcast that talked about how different religions approach it. And I was actually kind of disappointed they didn't um, highlight Mormonism, but it's just, it's crazy how many of us are, are just really kind of restricted by those boxes that religion kind of give up, gives us. So. Yeah, so I'm sorry that you've had to go through this and break stigma and, and feel bad about it because there's really no reason to feel bad about the way you become pregnant. And and even like with conscious conception, as I've realized more and more, like, so there's so many surprise pregnancies and there's so many things that just things don't go the way it's planned. And there's so, and there's, and there's even can be like 
uh, constriction around like even the mystical motherhood process is like there can be like this has to be a certain way and if it's not done this way like in my book I talk about the sexual conception but you may just have mm-hmm. sex and then you just be, get pregnant right it's not about that it's about your yourself as the container and yeah. the, the energy and the frequency of your body and how much you're doing for yourself to change you know, your consciousness to be able to hold the level of soul that needs to come down and not control necessarily all the other ways that it does so. But when you do have your child, are you planning to raise the child as, um, as when you do have your child, Mm -hmm. are you planning to raise the child in the Mormon religion? You know, that's been kind of our, our conflict lately is like I said, my husband is very interesting because in some ways he's on the same page as I am. But on the other hand, he still clings to a lot of, um, a lot of the, the religion. And so, um, right now we've actually been given the gift of COVID because we don't even have church <laughs> right now. So it's like, I haven't really had that extra pressure. Um, so we've been having church at home and it's, it, it's allowing me um, to kind of play with it with my, my daughter and um, really teach her more about the things that are important to me. Um, But honestly, my husband and I haven't really come to a decision as to how it's going to look um, in the future. Uh, We, I don't know. I, I, I've been listening um, to another podcast that actually is about mixed faith marriages, specifically with Mormons. Um, a lot of these mixed faith are Mormons who went through the Mormon journey initially together, and then one of them chose to leave the religion, but they chose to stay together and how they've um, navigated that. And so um that that has been helpful to just kind of show me that it's possible to stay in my marriage, but yet have that mutual respect for each other. I mean, it is challenging. It's a lot different than if we had chosen from the get-go, like if he had known from the beginning that I didn't believe the same way he did. Um, because with Mormons, uh, not only are our families connected um, to our salvation, but our marriage is connected to our salvation. And so my shifting, um, is, is very threatening to him because it's like, well, you're not going to be with me in heaven, basically. Like you're, you're changing the contract. You're changing. Um, Oh, I understand. I I understand. Very challenging. Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't see myself raising the child specifically in Mormonism, like going to church. Um, although there are a lot of beautiful things in the culture that I do love. Um, I think if anything, we'll probably do a little bit more nuanced to maybe go to church here and there, but not really be active participants. Um, I don't know. I guess that will evolve as it kind of happens. You know, it's interesting you say like breaking the contract to leave the thing. So let me explain this in a way that as I experienced it. So I've done a lot of traveling, like a significant amount of my life. I've been blessed to do that. And I've 
been able to hold and understand the frequency of different lands for energetic reasons while I was writing my books. And I moved to Ireland with my ex-husband. And in Ireland, I saw, oh, this is my old family. Like I saw real, I saw people I know I've been married to. I saw people that I felt was my sisters. And I <laughs> said, you never left. Like I almost looked at them. I was so, I was this, they, they were like, how do I know you? Right. And it was, mm-hmm. I just, I just remember thinking you guys haven't left yet. You've just, I mean, I don't know if you believe in incarnation, but I do because I've I do. seen it. <laughs> My, I've experienced it in this lifetime. And so I went there and I recognized that they hadn't broke their contracts with the land or the people. And so they kept being I could, they kept going back into the clan, into the experience, the, the same experience over and over until they're ready to break that contract. And so mm-hmm. I've seen it in, in, it's in islands, it's in families, it's in, it's in consciousness. And my contracts really broke before I did the stairs and in, in India, I, these stairs, these, which is written in my book, Alchemy Becoming, I called it going down the rabbit hole, but there's these stairs on the border of Pakistan where you can liberate your entire family line, or at least I think it's like seven years forward, seven years backwards. And it's like, you don't know what's going to happen if you go and do it. Right. But I I told my husband at the time, I was like, I got to go to India to liberate my family. And he's (laughs) like, okay. (laughs) And I trained for it for three years and I did it. And my entire consciousness in my, my reality, my destiny shifted but I actually kind of energetically prepared for that shift for a few years beforehand. And my teacher, Celestine Starr, which I've had on this podcast before, she said, before I go, are you ready to let go? Are you ready to let go of your, your, the people, you know, the clan, your family, your soul tribe, and are you ready to change soul tribes? And so we did a ceremony to do so. And she goes, everything's about to shift. And it didn't happen immediately, but I did shift. I did change lands, countries, families, friends, everything. And it's painful. And it's really really hard because you have to change the timeline that you may have been living for many, many lifetimes. And so the process you're going through, I really honor it, but this is the shift of massive consciousness. And so you have to think it's not the baby that wants to come through. You may say, if you want to live at this level of frequency, there are certain belief systems that may be holding you back from living that highest frequency. And so honor the intuitive guides that are telling you where to go and how to be and how to change in every moment. And the change is not logical. The change is spiritual. So you follow that next best move. You follow that, that heart space move of who to go meet. And like, for me, I'm probably an expander for you, you know, to experience and have a conversation with and some, and, but you'll be dragged back into that old platform of, or those old people a lot, but their frequency is going to be different. But as yours changes, you'll be attracted to a new frequency. I'm I'm finding that already happening. It's like, we talk about what we're going to do for the holidays and it's like, I just have this aversion to go back and, and be with my family. And it's just like, I just, I don't know. I, I just find like, I want to be with people who think more like me and where I can be more authentic. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just in a little way. I find it interesting that they, they say it's seven um, generations forward and seven generations back. I mean, that's such a parallel to what, um, what is, you know, like the sins of the fathers 
uh, seven years forward and seven years or seven generations forward and seven generations back. What I is that? You said it's the sins of the it, father. It's in the Bible that it talks oh, it about is? the fathers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Kundalini yoga. They say it, by one woman or one man practicing Kundalini yoga can change 40 generations. Oh, and so that's, that's why the shift is if you start to do these meditations, the shift in consciousness is so fast and it's so deep and everyone around you will begin to respond. And the people that aren't supposed to be in your life will leave. They cannot handle the frequency. And the people that are supposed to be in your life will be sh- like come to, coming to you in, in drones because of the energy. And so you have to be very discerning um, of, of your decisions and your, and your lives of like, is is this, you know, who is this person? Are they coming to me because they need my energy? Are they coming to me because I'm supposed, they're supposed to be in my life. And so you become a teacher. And as you begin to go into this kind of yogic experience and uh, because you're also clearing for all those generations and, and the family can fight back. And so the family will either I think sometimes they do fight back because they, I remember when I did those stairs and I said, grandma, I called her, (laughs) I "I liberated (laughs) you. And she said, why the F did you do that? She's like, I didn't want to be liberated. Why did you do that to me? She was very serious, very real. And she's like, why did you liberate me? Uh I did not ask for that. And I was like, well, I was like, I think I did. And, and it's in my book about my father because my father, um, he, the day I left for India to do these stairs, just as this is the story of alchemy becoming, my father went into the hospital and I said to my sister, do you want me to, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but she, I said, do you want me to fly home? I didn't really want to fly home. And yeah. I was close to him. And, and then all these signs and symbols came and he, I, I ended up pulling the, you know, having, letting him go. Mm-hmm. After I came back from India and, 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 and did these stairs. And I said to my sister, do you think we, I liberated dad? And she, my, this little bird came to the window, which was the symbol of alchemy and the symbol in my book, I, alchemy of becoming. And he just popped on the window in the middle of the night and like tapped on the window. And I said, hi dad. And we FaceTimed him, but it was just showing like the sins of the father, seven generations, seven generations forward and seven generations back. I mean, the sins of my father were huge. Yeah. <laughs> and and we can do that as, as yogic practitioners and as women that are changing this sort of things. And so I want you as a leader, and, and you have to look at it like that. You have to just say, this is my life. This is my consciousness. Because right now, Guru Jagat's explaining really on the planet, it's, it's a battle for your mind. And it's a battle. She said that in a, I don't remember a battle for your mind and there's a battle for your consciousness and so that's going to hit in all kinds of ways it's going to come towards you know in through religion through politics through racism through all these different things of tearing you one way or tearing you the next way and it's sovereignty it comes from what you know is true for you and your own road and so you constantly have to let the mind games of like everything coming at you go away, take a moment for yourself. It's like, what feels right for me right now? And then for you, you could really take this to help other women. Have you thought about that? I actually have, um, in my community, uh, I, I've been playing with the yoga and, um, and just talking, wanting to teach women about cycle seeking and really being aware of their own fertility, recognizing um, how we've just been really disconnected from our bodies in that way. 
Um, it's, it's more challenging to get into the more mystical stuff, but I'm finding a tribe there too. People who are just really um, drawn to going inside and, and just, I don't know, dissecting all of that stuff. <laughs> so it's interesting that you say a teacher because that's something I've been drawn to as well. I, I can see that in the future for me being a teacher for women and, and helping to just shift the conversation. Well, I really think it's needed. Like what I was saying before, you know, Dr. Grazi, who I work with, he shifted the reality for this largest group of, of Jewish people outside of Palestine. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's crazy. So there's a, there's a whole group that needed to have babies that necessarily wouldn't have been accepted to do so in a certain way. So thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of children have been created and that their belief systems have been able to continue by using a technology as the times are shifting. And yeah. so it's almost like within your community, you can, I mean, you got to look at like, you have to also look at the things on the planet that's happening. Is there, it's never, you're never going to go against something. You've got to get neutral within something and mm-hmm. you can actually be, I think maybe I'm wrong, but you can experience something and be neutral around it. Like I can go into the Catholic church and be like, eh, I'm neutral. You know, yeah. I can go into a restaurant that I don't necessarily like and be like, eh, it's okay. It's I'm having the experience. I'd look at everything as an experience and God wants me to be there. For some reason I met this person or I'm in the street or I'm moved to Brooklyn or wherever I'm supposed to be is the next space I'm supposed to be. But you have to see how you can create this new kind of uh, outlook. And everyone is listening. Wherever you are is where you're supposed to be in that moment. And how can you help the people around you? And so it's like the energy on the planet is trying to get you to go against everybody. But it's sort of like, how can you within those groups say, let's take the stigma away from IVF and start to speak out about it. And then you're really actually changing it. You're changing the consciousness around it because somebody's got to speak up because there's a lot of secrets around using it. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of shame just around the whole infertility. I mean, especially in my culture. Well, there's just shame for every woman around infertility. And I just think, I think everybody has a battle and there's, and there's a shame around anything. So if you're, if you're a beat as a woman, I mean, if you had a hard childhood, whatever the, this is what I talk about in my podcast, the original wound and everybody's original Mm -hmm. wound is different. And until you can tell your original wound story and own the original wound story, which is the story of the mind, which could be for your, particularly for your community infertility, then you, the wound does not own you. And when you break from the matrix, when you break into, to, you know, the heart center and break away from the matrix and you you're not controlled by the wound anymore. The trauma, the breaking of the trauma or the breaking of some, this belief system, there's something wrong with you is a break from the matrix. And then you're completely sovereign in your own divine beingness. Right. And so mm-hmm. this is how you're going to break it. If this is your wound for 15 years, you know, I, I'm all the belief systems around, you know, holding this level of energy you're no longer, you're a sovereign being within the community. You're a sovereign being within the world. And so that's your story that you're, that's the human story you're letting go of. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I definitely do. It's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have anything you could recommend as we close up here for women that are, 
you know, going through this internal battle and they're, they maybe their husbands don't want them to use IVF or their families or they're afraid or they are feeling shame around it so that they can break through that and not feel so guilty about doing this path? Oh, wow. That's a big question. Um, I just think it's going back to what you talked about, just taking back your own power, really dive into how to recognize your own body and your own fertility and, um, and your own divine connection, you know, and just recognize that you can take that back and there will be pushback, but that's part of, that's part of life. We just have to go with the flow, I guess. So, and is there any, did you end up doing any of the meditations I sent you, or is there anything in the books that helped you that may, or if you've read anything or the podcast that you think that would help other women on their pro on their, you know, their road right now? Um, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of stuff that's specific to, to Mormons. Um, like I said, um, Marriage on a Tightrope is the podcast that I listen to about uh, mixed faith marriages, um, specifically with Mormonism, but it also works for other religions. Um, and uh, there's been several, I can't really think of just one in specific, but there's been several of yours that just kind of helped um, me just uh, break open and just recognize my own power. Um, and there's a lot of great uh, fertility awareness um, podcasts. Fertility Friday is another one that I love. Um, and it's just, um, I think there, we're so blessed right now in this day and age to have access to so much information and really if there's anything specific that you're um that you're wanting to learn I mean it's there <laughs> the teachers are already out there so you just have to kind of to, to ask God right there. yeah you just have to find That's it exactly so. what I do is I, I mean I'm not a part of any religion but there's I have a prayer that's so strong that's like lead me to the next thing I'm supposed to do protect me from whatever needs to leave my life and move quickly. It's in the prayer. The prayer is the strongest like guide for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if, I mean, people who find me, they tell me the the wildest stories of like, I just, I mean, I have, I have nutty stories of how people find these books and these things. And I, that's why I don't really, people are like, well, you must have marketers. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't market a thing. I've never, I don't think I've paid more than $50 on marketing in my whole life, but <laughs> it just works. Cause you know, if people are supposed to find me, spirit will guide them. So well, it's to a lot of us. And I feel that way about just how I stumbled across you. I, I, I was ready for it. And yeah, I have um, read through um, mystical motherhood a little bit. I haven't read through them all, but I just kind of do what you said that you do in the past and just kind of open things up as you kind of feel like you need to, um, I have fertile, um, I'm waiting for your, your next book. <laughs> I also got the Sophia code and, um, I've had some powerful experiences there as I just listened to, um, the ancient mothers, you know, um, Mary, mother Mary really was powerful for me. Yeah. Mother um, Mary's that as I love mother Mary. So I think just, just have grace for yourself and patience. And just like you said, recognize that you're where you're at um, and you're, you're supposed to be where you're at and it's all a journey. Thank so. you for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Amy.
Thank you, Chelsea. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye.